I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for the United States Senate. The time is now for fresh ideas and new leadership. I'm running for student council because of you and for you. That is why I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America. Welcome to the Arena Talks podcast, where we interview emerging political leaders from across the country. My name is Ravi Gupta, co-founder of the Arena, and today we interview Sarah Ullman. Uh, Sarah is the co-founder of a super PAC called One Vote at a Time, and she has built an all-female production team that created almost 200 campaign ads for candidates in the midterm elections. Uh, she supports only candidates who are strong on gun control, and she's done game-changing work in the cycle. It was recently profiled in the New York Times, and uh, we had a really good conversation about the work that she did, her takeaways from the cycle, and her plans for the future. So let's jump right in. Sarah Ullman, welcome to the Arena Talks podcast. Thanks for having me. So Sarah, you are fresh off of, as we all are, a historic midterm election, and you run an organization called One Vote at a Time, and you did a, a few videos uh, for candidates. How many, <laughs> how many did you wind up doing by the end of the cycle? So we worked with 190 candidates in 10 different states, actually 191 in 11 states, if you count Stacey Abrams, who we worked with during her primary. And we made a total of 570 videos. Wow. How does one walk us through this? How does one go about uh, creating that many videos in such a short period of time? Walk us through the logistics, how many members of your team, where are they, how do they capture their and edit all this footage? Yeah, so I, I'm a filmmaker. I'm in the business. Of, I'm a freelance director. And um, this is, we run one vote at a time, almost the way that you would run a production company, which is we crew up and we crew down for production. So in our in our business and filmmaking, um, you have to form a team quite quickly and accomplish a goal, and then the crew sort of dissipates and um, moves on to the next job. And so that's the the way that we ran one vote at a time. We looked at it almost like a film or a television production. So we would crew up for each state that we were going to. Each state had a director, producer, a production sound mixer, a DP, a B camera, and a production assistant. And some of those people came from LA. Some of them were hired locally within each state. And so we crewed up for the week or two that we were on the ground. And then the hard drives were passed back to our post-production team, which was a full-time team of eight women in an office in Burbank, in, in a WeWork in Burbank, uh, California. And then we had our, our production sound mixer work from home. So it was a team of nine post-production people. We had a, a coordinator as well. In total, One Vote at a Time hired 58 women uh, throughout the, the course of the cycle. Wow, that's incredible. And so take a step back for a second before we talk about the ads that you did and the candidates that you made. You founded One Vote at a Time, from what I understand, after the Pulse nightclub shooting. Tell us a little bit about that genesis. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting in my living room, uh, chromecasting C-SPAN, uh, as one does. And uh, I was watching... Senator Chris Murphy filibuster for gun safety legislation. And I just, I was just so mad. I don't know. I, I, I was tired of tweeting and tired of 
donating and calling. And I thought that there has to be something else that I can do that we can do to help get more people like Chris Murphy into office. And um, so that's how One Vote at a Time was born, really by by being mad about something and looking at where I sit and what skills I have and what what resources and access to skills and other skilled people that I have. And so that, yeah, that was the genesis of it. And so as you've gone across the country and done these ads, how do you select candidates and how do you go about prioritizing which videos to put out and when? Sure. So we, um, first I'll say is that we hired uh, Irene Shin, uh, who works at Crowdpack as well, um, to consult for us and, and serve as our political advisor. And so Irene was enormously helpful in introducing us to uh, different political people in each state that we wanted to go to. So the first step was Irene and, and I talking about what are our goals and what do we, what do we want to accomplish? What's the actual mission of our organization. And we decided that mission was to support gun safety candidates uh, is the main through line. Uh, Also, all of our candidates are pro-choice because ain't nobody got time for anti-choice Democrats. And then from there, we looked at what states we thought we could make an impact in and what states we thought needed the most help. Because, you know, the question is, not, um, you know, who are the flashiest candidates who are the most exciting, but but who needs the most resources? Because, you know, if I'm, I'm giving a free video to someone, I, I would prefer that it be someone who, who needs the help rather than, um, you know, someone who could afford to pay a crew or to pay us for our time. So from there, we looked at, uh, we wanted to bust Republican super majorities. We wanted to bust Republican trifectas, and we wanted to see if we could help flip some chambers. And so that's how we landed on our list of 10 states. And then from there, we made contact with the caucus directors in the in each state. And I will say that we worked mostly with state legislature candidates, um, though we did work with some federal congressional candidates and, and, and le- plenty of local and attorney general. We worked with the state treasurer candidate in Wisconsin. And uh, so we made contact with uh, caucus directors in those states. We also were recommended uh, word of mouth from candidates. And then there was a lot of incoming interest as well, because we had had a successful year in 2017 in Virginia, and um, there was some some you know word of mouth that that generated incoming interest. Um, so then we interviewed everyone. We talked on the phone with everybody for like half an hour to an hour each, and and saw if they were fit for our criteria. And so in the time, so you talk about you know you just talked about working with caucus directors, working with various political directors and operatives across the various states and campaigns that you have helped. Uh, in the Times, though, you talked about in the New York Times recently how part of your mission is overcoming some of the, you know, I, I don't know how to put it delicately, delicately the, the political consultants out there who I think you said are feeding on candidates and producing low-quality work. So how do you balance the diplomacy of it all with uh, an explicit mission to kind of get in the way of people who might be kind of feeding off of the uh, of the campaigns who need need your help. Yeah, I think that the first thing that we tell people is that we're there once, you know, we're not going to be there the whole cycle. Um, we're there to help candidates get a really high quality, usually it's a, a bio piece, um, or 
a really high quality video to help them kick off their campaign. We know early money is the best money. We're not going to replace a day-to-day media consultant, but I think what we are doing is showing people that you can produce high quality video for not a lot of money. And I will say that I have had some very encouraging and exciting experiences this past cycle working with um, some political people in each state and then also some very depressing encounters with like deeply corrupt caucus directors and it and it's it's uh it's a lot of it is because they decide of course where the resources get spent for their caucus you know they decide about the distribution of resources and so a lot of them have what are called approved vendor lists where they have lists of of vendors that uh, they recommend to candidates and oftentimes they say you have to use these vendors or you won't get our money and I had one caucus director tell me straight up, you can work with our candidates, but you can't give them 30 second versions of their videos because if you give them 30 second versions of your videos for free, then they're not going to give $50,000 to me. And it was just like, you know, very upsetting um, because those candidates should be spending that money not on a on a bad video, and I and I've seen the product that that um, that that caucus director was talking about, and it's it's terrible. I mean, anyways, I could go on a rant about that for a while, but that really that mission or that part of our mission only emerged as the year went on when we discovered um, that we were unintentionally disrupting this ecosystem because I think people for a long time have been paying a lot of money for a bad product that they didn't realize was a bad product or that it was a lot of money. Yeah. And so you had also mentioned, you know, kind of moving off of the, the operative piece, you had mentioned that you work with candidates who uh, are strong on gun control. There are a lot of commentators after this election who said that, this is, you know, this is the first time that the narrative after a national election was about guns as an issue where uh, being strong on gun control was actually a dispositive, was dispositive in some of these races, as opposed to, you know, being on the wrong side of the NRA being the dispositive point on an issue, on a, in a race. Um, are there any races that you think about that either you worked on or that you just observed, whether it's in Colorado, et cetera? where guns were an issue that actually helped Democratic candidates in a, in a way that was pretty obvious to you? Sure. Um, the first thing I'll say is that we don't require our candidates to talk about guns or gun safety in their videos because we're pretty pragmatic. We just want to be useful to these people who will vote the right way once they get into office. And so, you know, our videos are about all different sorts of subjects. But I will say that the the people um, that come to mind that we worked with who had gun safety at the top of their agenda and, and who succeeded, who won. Um, the first one is Tom Sullivan in Colorado. Um, his son was killed in the Aurora shooting. And, and the video that we made for him was about that experience and about that profound loss and how it shaped him as a person and how it shaped his political philosophy. And he ran on that front and center and, and he won. Um, Wendy Ullman in Pennsylvania's 143rd uh, district, state legislative district. Um, She ran on a platform of gun safety. That's what her video was about. She won. Um, Steve Santarciero, who was a state 
representative in Pennsylvania and ran for a state Senate seat. He ran on supporting young people in their pursuit for gun safety legislation that will keep them safe and keep them safe in their schools. It was a major issue in his district. He actually invited young people and kids to the shoot um, with us and had them on camera talking about why it was important to them. And and he won. Um, Christy Clark in North Carolina, uh, she ran for state house and she is a the former leader of the Moms Demand North Carolina chapter. She ran on gun safety front and center. She said, I'm tired of it and I and I want to protect my kids. She won. All over the country in in these suburban districts that were and, and these are all flips. All of these candidates are flips. So yeah. Yeah, it was an important issue. And you know, as you think about now moving forward, there's, you know, I think people have wasted little time to start talking about what are the next steps. I know there are a lot of meetings all around the country in the next few weeks where folks are uh, mapping out strategy. Uh, before you talk about like what races you're thinking about and, and how your mission is changing or adapting or growing, tell us just what are some of the key takeaways that you have from this past cycle. Uh, you know, one of them that I heard from you is that you quickly realize that you, your mission involves uh, is sometimes blocking and tackling uh, and getting in the way of people um, providing bad work or ripping people off. Part of that mission is supporting candidates who are strong in gun control. Part of it's just, you know, takeaway could be on scaling uh, video production at a level that's probably never happened in politics before. But what are some other takeaways that you have from this cycle that are going to help guide your work and whatever comes next? Hmm. I think the power of gerrymandering and the the really very serious consequences that it has, um, as successful as we were, and, and we had 76, I think we're at 76 once there's a, there's a bunch of them in recounts of our races and recounts. So that number we think will go up and probably settle around 80 wins this cycle, um, which I'm really, really proud of. Um, But we look at states like, for example, Wisconsin, where our statewide candidates, Sarah Godlewski for treasurer, Josh Call for attorney general, um, they won handily. And our almost our entire state legislate of 21 candidates, almost our, our entire state legislate went down, except for Robin Vining, who ran in the Wauwatosa area in Wisconsin. It's actually Scott Walker's old seat, um, which was which was fun. Um, Robin won, and um, I was messaging her with with her the other day, and and she credits her part of her win, a serious part of her win, to her video that we made for her because she didn't have the resources to make any other kind of video, and in the waning days of the race, the Republicans started, they went up on TV with $80,000 of attack ads on TV for her like in the last week. And they didn't have any time or money to put together another video. And, and they loved the one that they had. And so they, they went up on TV with, with $10,000, which is all they had left uh, you know, in the coffers, but they were able to respond and, and to go up on TV and be quick and nimble. And, and she said, she said to us, you know, I would not have been able to do this without you. And it's the first flip for Wisconsin Democrats in, I don't know how many, how many years, 15 years, something like that, something crazy or 10 years, something crazy like that. So I, I took a couple things away from that, which is a, that we're in the right space, that the state ledge space is the right place for us to be operating because those are where that's where our resources can make the difference in a race like 
Robbins, you know, where, where the need to be nimble and the need to, to be frugal is, is really important. Um, but also the power of gerrymandering. I mean, Wisconsin was by far our toughest state, followed by Ohio. We saw some really great and exciting movement in Pennsylvania and North Carolina, which are similarly badly gerrymandered. But um, man, those Republicans have are, you know, really done an excellent job of of protecting their their political majority there. And it's and it's it's a unconstitutional, I think. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And so, you know, those are some of your takeaways. Now, now what's next for you? In 2019 and 2020, are you going to work at the presidential level or are you going to stick with state and local candidates? I think one vote at a time will keep going. You know, we'll keep working. I want to work in 2019 in Virginia again um, to sort of go back and finish the job that we started there. Um, we worked with 19 candidates in Virginia in 2017, as you know, uh, 10 of, or 15 flips, but 10 of those flips um, were people that we had worked with. So I want to go back and finish the job for sure. And there's a lot more work to do as I think evidenced by, um, you know, the, the daily, weekly mass shootings that we, that we're still experiencing as a nation. So we won't stop and we'll, we'll keep going. We are fundraising now. We have to restock our coffers and, in terms of the presidential, I'm sure I'll be involved in some fashion or another, whether it's through one vote at a time or otherwise. Um, you know, legally, we're currently a super PAC at the, at the federal level and, and we're a coordinated PAC on the state levels. So we'll see how that plays out and, and how I get involved, whether it's as an individual or as an organization. But um, yeah, there's there's so much more work to do. I, in the In the short term, I'm hoping to like, give my body to the Korean spa and like my mind to the TV for a little bit, you know, but. Well, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, is there, are there any candidates for 2020 presidential that you're particularly excited about? Oh gosh. Um, what a question. I mean, listen, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Chris Murphy because he was my representative. He was my Senator. He inspires me. Um, I don't, think that a white man is necessarily the way that we need to be the direction we need to be going as a party um, right now. Uh, but who knows? Who knows what will happen? And I, I certainly believe in him. Um, I, I don't know if if it makes sense for 2020, but God damn, I hope Stacey Abrams is president one day. <laughs> Um, she is certainly the most breathtaking candidate of the cycle for me. And I've worked with her now uh, a few times and, oh gosh, every time I'm blown away by her, um, by her president, by her presence, by her, I I feel like she, uh, as a human, she just has this like deep love for herself and, and she knows herself so well and she, and she loves herself and she sort of radiates that love outwards to her community. And it's so powerful. Um, and I think whatever happens with the, the gubernatorial election, I hope she, I hope she's president someday, if not 2020, then some other day. Yeah. She, uh, she was a guest of this podcast a few months ago. So, um, hopefully, hopefully we'll get her back on and hopefully after she emerges victorious in this, this street fight that's going on down in Georgia right now. I know, I know. The voter suppression is insane. I was actually, I've been doing um, 
like texting for Stacey, um, text banking for Stacey on Hustle. And I remember the night of the election uh, when they were having all sorts of shenanigans at uh, voter suppression tactics at the polls, they were they had us sign into Hustle to try and text people to get them to go back, people who had uh, left, and tell them about extended polling hours. Um, so, it, you know, it was they've been very strategic and, and very organized about about their fight. They knew it was coming, but, but yeah, oof, it's, it's dirty down there. Well, uh, Sarah, thank you for joining us. Uh, before you go, uh, just remind us, uh, you mentioned that you're fundraising, uh, how can people give? And second, is there anything else you need from folks as we close out? Um, thank you. Uh, so we have a website, onevoteatatime.us, and there's a, a link to give there. Also, we're on Crowdpack. Um, so crowdpack.com slash C slash one vote is our, our short link. And, um, or, you know, people can get in touch if they prefer to give by check. We do um, accept offline donations as well. And I think right now, uh, our only other major need or thing that I'm looking for is for the for future cycles, I would really love to find a pack or a partner who's interested in working with us on distribution uh both financially and strategically, because we are a PAC and subject to contribution limits, especially at the state levels, we often max out to our candidates. And so we're not able to provide them resources for distribution. Um, so if there's anybody out there who's interested in partnering on that, that's that's a major need that we have. Well, thank you, Sarah. Uh, thank you for joining us. But more importantly, thank you for being a great partner with us. Uh, going all the way back to Virginia. Yeah. Um, you are doing amazing work. Thank you. Thanks, Robbie. Likewise, I'm really glad and grateful to be in the arena community. So thanks so much.